great day to worship the Lord. So let's pray together. Lord, your, your word says that we can have power and peace. In 2 Timothy it says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And in John it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Lord, we come to you because we know that you're in control. We know that you've given us your word. You've given us power and strength and peace. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, I pray, God, that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that we would follow after you, that we would obey you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we are going to look at the point of prepared people live well and die well. And I went into a deep dive this week uh, uh, to a place I never thought I would go to, doomsday preppers. You guys know these people? Have you ever seen this? These people that have these unbelievable bunkers full of all kinds of stuff for the apocalypse. And I started looking at pictures, and I started looking at videos, and there's all these luxurious ones, people that have 10 floors below the ground and swimming pools and all kinds of things. Uh, and I thought, man, these people are really, really prepared for the worst case scenario. We need to be prepared too. We need to be prepared to live well and, and to die. There's probably never been a time in our living history, in our lifetime, where there's been more talk about illness and death, right? I mean, we hear about it all the time. And I don't think people like hearing about it, like thinking about it. But I think it's so vital that we are all prepared. Because what does the old saying say? What are the things that are guaranteed in life? Death and taxes. None of us are getting out of here alive. There's some good news to start off your day, right? None of us are getting out of here alive. We're all going to face death. And I think we need to be prepared for it. And that's where we're picking up our story here in Genesis chapter 23. And what my goal this morning is, is for us to have a little Bible study. You okay with that? We have a little Bible study. And then we're going to apply that Bible study to our lives, looking about how we can apply it to the world that we live in. And also by looking at the life of Jesus. So last week we gave a message on loving your neighbor in a divided world. And I thank you so much for all the encouragement that you gave as a congregation. I think it was the most feedback I've ever gotten on a, on a message. And so thank you for that. If you didn't listen to that, you can go on our uh, website. You can go on our Facebook page or YouTube page. You can watch the message there. A very important message on loving our neighbors in a divided world. But we have been going through Genesis this year. And uh, here we are in the middle of August. And we've made it to chapter 23. We're slowly making it, uh, making it there through, through Genesis. And what we were looking at is that Isaac was born uh, to Abraham and Sarah after many years of this promise happening. And Sarah was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And then Abraham is told to sacrifice Isaac. That's what we looked at a couple weeks ago. And what an amazing ask to ask to sacrifice your only child. But Abraham was obedient, and then the Lord provided another way and stopped him from sacrificing his son. And now we hear in Genesis 23, uh, where there's been about 20 years that have passed from that sacrifice of Isaac, and now it's the death of Sarah. And so this whole chapter is about death and dying. Yay, right? Exactly what you want to hear this morning. But I believe that what scripture says about us being prepared to live well and to die well, it will be extremely good news for each and every one of us. 
So here is the beginning of the chapter, Genesis 23. I'm going to read a couple of verses, then we'll talk about it, then we'll take on a couple uh, more verses at a time. So this is Genesis chapter 23, starting in, in uh, the very beginning of the first couple of verses. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Reba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. There's a couple of things here that are very unique about those two uh, scriptures. One, Sarah is the only person in the entire Bible where her age is named at her death. Now, why is that, ladies? No lady wants to know how old, how, they, they don't want you to know how old they are. And I think that's the reason why God did that here. But she's 127 uh, years old. It also uh, is the first time in Scripture that we see someone weeping. So after the fall happens, we don't see any weeping recorded. After uh, the flood happens, we don't see any weeping. You think there would be some tears that happen there. After the Tower of Babel, where everyone's scattered and goes their own place, there's no weeping. Here it is, weeping over the death of a wife. And I just think it's, it's so appropriate, isn't it? I mean, you think about all the things that Sarah did behind the scenes. I mean, First Peter talks about how Sarah was an outstanding woman of God, supporting her husband through all of these things. And I couldn't help but think about Ruth Bell Graham when I thought about this story. Because Ruth Bell Graham uh, was behind the scenes working for Billy Graham all the time. And Billy Graham was probably the most effective sharer of the gospel. 80 million people in person heard Billy Graham share the gospel. In person, it doesn't count anything that's on TV or on the internet. All those times you share the gospel, they know of at least 3 million people that put their faith in Christ in person from Billy Graham preaching the gospel. Just put that into kind of context, there's 3 million people that live on the island of Jamaica. So an entire country of Jamaica was, uh, was saved through Billy Graham's ministry and probably many, many, many more. But you think about all of the things that Ruth Bell Graham did behind the scenes. She, she died about 11 years before Billy died a few years ago. And listen to what Billy Graham said about uh, Ruth, his wife. Ruth was my life partner. We were called by God as a team. No one else could have borne the load that she carried. She was a vital and integral part of our ministry, and my work through the years would have been impossible without her encouragement and support. I'm so grateful to the Lord that he gave me Ruth, especially in those last few years we've had in the mountains together. We rekindled the romance of our youth, and my love for her continued to grow deeper every day. I'll miss her terribly. I look forward even more to the day I can join her in heaven. I mean, when it comes to the life of Billy Graham or it comes to the life of Abraham, his wife was so vital to the ministry. And because of that, you see this time of weeping. And I think about that in my own life, in my own ministry. All the things that Christy does behind the scenes, the things that people don't ever see. The, the joy that she has, the humor that she brings, the wisdom that she helps me with messages and all kinds of ministry. It's, it's so absolutely vital. And I think if she died, 
I would be weeping terribly, okay? It's this close bond of husband and wife, and especially when you're in ministry, you're called as a team together to do ministry, and I'm so thankful for my bride to do ministry with together. And Abraham clearly felt that loss of his wife, and so he wept, and then he prepared a place for, for her to be buried. This is verse 3. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. She said, I am an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our tombs. None of us will refuse to you for burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed down before the people in the land, the Hittites, he said to them, if you are willing to let me bury my dead, listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf, that he will sell me the cave of Mashpilah, which belongs to him and at the end of this field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. It's interesting, Abraham had many different possessions, but he didn't have a land to be able to bury his wife on. And so he obviously was a man of great power and of great wealth, and he was following the Lord every step of the way, except for all those places that he messed up in, right? I mean, I, I, love, I love watching the heroes of the Bible because they constantly have missteps, and that gives me so much hope. Because I look at my own life and my own ministry, I think about all the missteps that I have as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and it, and it gives me hope that God can use a knucklehead like me because he used Abraham in, in a mighty way. And so he's still mourning the loss of his wife, but he knows that he needs to bury her. And so he is giving uh, the Hittites this great respect, and he's asking for a place uh, to bury them. And then in verse 10, we see their response. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people, and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gates of the city. No, my lord, he said, listen to me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that's in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. Again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will. I'll pay you the price of the field, accept it from me so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, Listen to me, my lord. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. But what is it between you and me? Bury your dead. 400 shekels of silver would have been about 10 pounds of silver. If you used today's worth of silver, the field cost would have been about $4,500, but it would have been a lot more then. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight current among the merchants. So Ephron's field, Namakpilah, near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field, it was seed to Abraham in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to this gate of the city. He did this in front of a witness of a bunch of other people. He didn't want there to be any mistake. He didn't want there to be any type of corruption. He wanted other people to see what was going on. He wanted to honor his wife the best way that he could. He didn't want there to be any question about how he was doing that. And so uh, he gets ready to bury his wife. And verse 19 says, Afterward, 
Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron, the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. All of these preparations, all these things to be done so that she could die well. See, prepare people live well, and they die well. And we live in the death-denying culture. It's so interesting, before the time of of COVID-19, all the time on the news, anytime anybody would speak publicly about a death, what would people say? They would say they passed away. There was no talking about any type of death or dying, but when there is some fear that wants to be built up, what term do they use? Dying and death. See, overall, we live in a death-denying culture, but we all need to realize that we need to be prepared to die. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, man is destined to die once and then face judgment. See, there's two ways that people die. It's not young or old. It's prepared or not prepared. A wise man once told me that the amount of preparation you put into something should be directly proportional to the certainty of that happening. Well, we're certainly going to face death, and so we need to be prepared. As believers, you know, we see here Abraham crying and weeping, and as believers, we should mourn when people die. It's sad to be separated uh, here on earth. But listen to what it says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We weep when we hear about death, but we don't weep like those that don't have any hope. We have hope, right? Brothers and sisters, we have hope. We have hope in Jesus, and, and that hope in Jesus helps us to be prepared for our death. We don't want to weep like those who have no hope because we have hope. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, why is there death at all? I mean, why did Sarah have to die? I mean, why do we have to live on this earth and then face death? I mean, why did God have that happen? Well, it wasn't part of God's original plan. There are four chapters of Scripture that life fits in. The first chapter is creation. And in God's creation, he created everything perfect. There was no death. There was no dying. It was Amazing. We see that picture in the Garden of Eden where there was no shedding of tears. There was no shedding of blood. It was perfect. But then Adam and Eve made the decision to go against God. The one rule, the one rule that he put down to show about his relationship between man and God. To let there be a choice to follow him or not follow him. And very soon thereafter they chose not to follow him. And sin came into this world. And because sin came into the world, death came into the world. And I know some of you think, well, if I was there in Adam and Eve, with Adam and Eve and everything was perfect, there's no way I would have chose sin. Um, yeah, you would have. And yeah, I would have. Because we choose sin all the time, don't we? We choose sin all the time. We sin against God all the time. If you hung out with me for a day, you'd see how much your pastor sins. 
sin and fall short. And there's the fall affects everything. But then chapter 3 came. And chapter 3 is redemption. That God saw us in our sin and he sent Jesus as a seeking and saving Savior. That we were not stuck in our sin. We're not stuck in death. That if we put our faith in Jesus, he takes all the punishment on him. And then we get his righteousness. We get hope. We get peace. We get eternal life. And that's why we worship, right? I mean, what amazing news it is to be able to worship God. Okay, five of you golf clapped. All right, I don't know what to say about that, that Jesus has taken away all of your sin. And he's given you righteousness. Should we? All right. All right. That's good. That's a lot better. All right. I'm glad to respond to it a little bit more. I know it's the early service. You're still waking up. Still waking up this morning. Yeah, he redeemed us. And then chapter 4 is going to come. It's called consummation. When Jesus comes again and he establishes the final state of things and there's a new heaven and a new earth. And there's all different kinds of views about how Jesus is going to come again. There's premillennialism and dispensational premillennialism and amillennialism and postmillennialism. And I don't have time this morning to go into all of the different views, but I think that we should have a proper view and we should be excited about Jesus coming again. We should be prepared to live well and to, and to die well. And so concerning Jesus coming again, to have a proper view, I believe biblically you need to realize it says that there will be a bodily return of Jesus Christ. That he'll visibly actually come back. That there'll be a resurrection of all men and women. That there'll be a judgment of all men and women. I believe it's also important that to be prepared so we can live well and die well that there's also other biblical truths about Jesus coming back. First, no one will know when Jesus is coming back. Okay, So if someone tells you, I just got a vision from God. I know when he's coming back. You know that it doesn't fit scripture. There was an author that wrote a book called 88 Ways That, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And then when that didn't happen, he wrote a book called 99 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1999. And he sold a ton of books. But he was not right, was he? See, no one knows when Jesus will return. That Christ's kingdom already exists and is given to all the nations. Christ's kingdom is being established here on earth. And there are people all around the world that are coming to faith in Jesus. I think we look at our own country and we look in despair and we see, oh, there's less and less people that are followers of Christ. But God's kingdom is not just about our country. It's the whole world. You look at the continent of Africa. Uh, 50 years ago, there were 6 million Christians on the continent of Africa. Now there's over 600 million Christians on the continent of Africa. So God is moving in amazing ways. And Jesus' return will be out warning or signs outside of the preaching of God's word. That's part of the reason why you're here is that you hear God's word preached. And it's an important sign about him coming back. And we are currently in the end period of time. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we are in the end period. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen when Jesus wants it to happen. But we are in the end period. So we need to live well and we need to die well. We need to be prepared because the best is yet to come. I think this is so vital for us as we think about uh, preparing for our own death that we realize as believers in Christ, this is not our home. And it's given me so much hope, especially through all the times that we've gone through, because I think we've gotten all a little complacent. I mean, over the past you know, several decades in America, we haven't faced too many hardships. 
And here we are living in a place called World Golf Village, Florida. I mean, it's an amazing little place. And I think we can get very comfortable in our first world here because we have a lot of comforts, don't we? We look around with people that live in third world countries. And as I've gone on mission trips to third world countries, people are looking forward to meeting Jesus and being in the new heavens and the new earth way more than we are because what they have is, is nothing. But listen to this. This is what it says in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe, wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. When Abraham is crying there for his wife, there's not going to be like that. there's not going to be anything like that in the new heavens and the new earth. There's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be any more suffering. There's not going to be any more COVID nineteen. Hallelujah! Right? There's not going to be any of that anymore. And listen to what he says. He who is seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." He said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So prepared people live well. We, we live well because of the hope that we have in Jesus. We know that this is not the, the world that we have for all eternity. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy the things that God has blessed us with here. But this is not our final destination. This is not our final home. And we also die well because we know that what we have waiting for us is indescribable. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, what an interesting thing uh, to write in Scripture because we know that John was given a glimpse of what heaven looks like. And I love sharing these Scriptures with you because I think it gives us an insight about what our eternity is going to be like. I mean, I meet so many people and I ask them, what do you think your death is going to be like? What do you think it's going to be like for all eternity? And what they say to me is some version of an eternal church service. And then they like kind of feel guilty because they're not real thrilled about that. They're kind of like, we're going to be singing on clouds for all eternity. And I'm real happy about that. Pastor Andy, because, man, I could sit through your church service for all eternity. Okay, now I know you're lying. Here is what Scripture really says heaven is going to be like. That there's going to be a river of life. There's going to be natural wonders there. There's going to be all kinds of things that we never even experienced here on earth. You look at a beautiful sunset, a beautiful sunrise, you think, wow, that's beautiful. Way to go, God. Well, in heaven it's going to be so much better. We can't even describe it. You'll be you without all of your bad parts or things. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to worry about anything bad in heaven. You'll be you. You'll be unique. You'll be who you are, but you won't have to worry about any of the flaws uh, that you have. There'll be great feasts. Oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. You know, one of the toughest things for me during COVID-19 is all the dang buffets have closed. What a shame. What a shame. You know, my kids are asking me to go to Ichiban Buffet, and I have to tell them it's closed. It's closed now. 
Some of you are excited about that, right? That Chivon's closed, will never open again. But then I think about heaven, and I think about these great feasts. And I think about there's not going to be any germs. We're going to be able to feast on these amazing foods that we've never even thought about. That we're going to learn new things in the new heavens and the new earth. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that he's going to show us new things. He's going to reveal us new things. We're going to learn new things in heaven. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but can't wait to do that. That there's going to be work there without uh, any of the bad things about work. I mean, there's good things about work, isn't there? I mean, you get, get satisfaction out of work, and you get a sense of fulfillment out of work, and there's going to be all those things without any of the tough things of work. There's going to be communication in a single language that we're going to be able to talk with all of the people around the world that are believers. Think about all the church planters, that all the churches that, because of your generous support, have been started all around the world, and we're going to be able to talk with all those people without a translator, and that he's going to make all things new. When he says he's going to make all things new, what does he mean? Does he mean some things? Does he mean all things? Yeah, he means all things new. That means art and sports and music and theater and all kinds of things that we experience here on earth. He's going to make all those things new. But you know what won't be there? There won't be any weeping. There won't be any pain. There won't be any sin. And there won't be any death. That's the hope that we have in us. When we look through a chapter in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 23, and the whole chapter is about death and dying and being prepared, we can look at our own lives and say, you know, none of us want to face the reality of losing someone or dying, but prepare people live well and die well. Are you prepared? Romans chapter 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Are you in your sin, or have you accepted the gift of eternal life? The way that you accept the gift of eternal life is putting your faith in him. John chapter 6, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Do you believe in Jesus? Either here in person or watching at home right now, do you believe in Jesus? It's the most important question that you can answer all of us are going to face death none of us are getting out of here alive but scripture is very very clear that if we put our faith in jesus he gives us his righteousness because the perfect life that he lived because the death that he died on the cross because of the resurrection that he had over death and if we put our faith in him we will have eternal life you can do it right in your seat where you're at you can do it right at home if you're watching at home put your faith in Christ. It's the most important decision that you can make. And if you've done that, make sure you let some, one of us know. You can text the number that's on the screen. You can write it on the car. Let one of us know so that we can help you grow in your faith. Do you ever wonder why every single week when we preach, we preach the gospel? You ever wonder why? You ever sometimes get to, I get to the point when I'm starting to preach the gospel and you start checking out a little bit. You're like, I heard this. I heard this every week. Well, I want you to know there's, there's reasons why we preach the gospel every week. First of all, we have new people every week. And we don't know where people are at. We know that if you invite your friend or neighbor, we want you to be certain that each and every week they are going to hear the gospel. We have people watching online. The message is now going out to places that we never imagined it would go out. We want them to be able to hear the gospel. Secondly, we need to hear it, don't we? I mean, I know I need to hear it. 
I need to be reminded of how good the gospel is. All week long, I mean, life is tough. It beats you down. So we come here on Sunday mornings to be rejuvenated in the gospel. And then we also share so that we can equip you. I mean, some of you that have been coming here for years, you've heard the gospel hundreds of times. So you know how to share the gospel. You know how to share the gospel. You've heard it. So when people ask you about the hope that's in you, when they ask you about the, the fear that's in the world right now, when they ask you about how you're able to maintain hope and joy in the midst of all this crazy news that's happening in our world, you can share with them the hope that you find in Jesus. Listen to what happens to the believers in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Listen, it says, After they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And that is our prayer for our church, that we would hear it, that we'd be filled up with the Holy Spirit, and that we would tell people about it. I mean, if it's not us, who's it going to be? I mean, the only people that have the hope in Christ is us is the church. So no one else is going to tell people that are in fear, that are in hurt, that are in pain that, hey, this doesn't have to last forever. You can put your faith and trust in Christ. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become so ineffective in this. I think when we think about how amazing the new heavens and the new earth is going to be, and then we start thinking about our loved ones and our neighbors and those around us that don't know Jesus, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Because they're not going to be able to experience that. They don't have faith in Jesus. And so that's why, in closing the day, our action step is to follow Jesus. Because he lived well and he died well, didn't he? I mean, Jesus lived well. He knew who he was. He knew why he was here. He knew exactly where he was going. Listen to what it says in in Matthew. This is Matthew uh, 28. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus knew why he was here. He was here to make disciples. We know why we're here as a church. We're here to make disciples. And then he died well. He lived well. He lived a perfect life, a life we could never imagine. And then he died well, even on the cross, He's calling out to take care of his family. He says, John, take care of Mary. Take care of my mother. He was calling out to take care of those that were around him. And we should do that too. We should be prepared. We should get a will together. We should be prepared to die. Do you know that there are some people that even put in their will Good News Church because they want to see the work of the gospel continue? I mean, that's something you could consider doing. We want to live well, and we want to die well. Jesus lived well. He died well. He put his house in order, and he didn't die before he died. Now, this might ruffle a few feathers here because we live in Florida where people come to retire, right, and take the easy life. But I'm so inspired by so many people that I see that are retired 
but they're working harder than ever for the sake of the gospel. They don't have to go to a nine-to-five job instead of just collecting seashells or working on their golf game all the time. They are trying to proclaim God for the sake of the gospel. Listen, you don't have to send me an email. It's okay to collect seashells. It's okay to play golf. I enjoy playing golf too. But our main purpose is to make disciples. Our main purpose is to glorify him. And so Jesus didn't die before he died. He was still winning lost people all the way to the cross. You remember the conversation he had with the thief on the cross? He is winning people all the way to his death. I think of one of my heroes, John Harper. He was one of the men that was on the Titanic. And he said, let all the women, let all the children, and all the unsaved people go on the lifeboats first. And he was going around as the ship was sinking, asking people if they had faith in Jesus Christ, going around to as many people as he possibly could. Even when he was in the chilly waters, he was going up to people, asking them if they had put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason why we know this story is because one of the people that he witnessed to uh, actually survived and was able to tell the story about how John Harper, in the midst of all, think about how fearful that must have been. Think about how awful that must have been. But for him, he was prepared. He was prepared to live well and to die well. And he did everything that he could to share the gospel with people. Former NC State basketball coach Kay Yao, she was prepared. And she lived well and she died well. And she prepared a video message for her own funeral because she had cancer and she knew she was dying. And listen to these 30 seconds of this video here before we close here this morning. Listen to this. But I want you to know that in 2004, when my cancer reoccurred, I felt the Lord prompting me to make a video for my funeral. So today as I speak, I hope you won't really be hearing Kay Yow speak, but that you'll be hearing the Lord speak through me. I hope he will open your ears, your eyes, that you might see and hear him in a very special way. She goes on for another 15 or 20 minutes or so just sharing the gospel. Uh, and I thought that's so amazing. Here she is even kind of speaking from the grave with her own video, sharing the gospel with people. Jude verse 22 and 23 says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. The word of God says for us to live as Christ and to die as gain. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're prepared to die. So live well and die well and give hope to those that don't have Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I'm so thankful that we can gain knowledge and inspiration, and that we can find truth, the truth, in the word of God. So many people now on social media in their lives are talking about their truth or their own personal truth. Lord, we know that there's one truth. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And so I pray, God, that we would run to you, that we would remember that our hope is in you, that we would live well, and that we would die well by following you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.